16 to 23. This is just kind of giving a little bit of a background. So I'm going to whiz through this quite quickly. Um, this needs to be higher for me. Thus, verse 16, Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the lowland, and the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, from Mount Halak, and the ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal, Gad, in the valley of Lebanon, below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time. Everybody say, a long time. With all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them that they might receive no mercy. Thank God we live in a day of mercy today. But that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses and jump down to 23. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. Jump over to Joshua 14. This is our main passage, but I just wanted to give a little bit of a context to what we're talking about. Um, So, Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land. They'd come out of Egypt, they'd wandered around the wilderness for a very long time, and then they took the land. And this is part of that story of taking the land. And Joshua 14, we're going to start from verse 6. I'm going to take us through this passage, so I'm going to stop and go off at tangents um, to a degree. So, it tells the story of one man's part in the conquest, and he has something to give us today. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said, everybody say, the Lord said. The Lord said, the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Now, if you don't know this story, I should just give you a little reminder for those who are watching online. Hello, welcome. The story of the spies who went into the land. This is when, before they'd actually gone in to possess this land that God had promised, Joshua sent out, uh, Moses sent out, in fact, I. I think it was Moses sent out the spies. Who sent out Moses sent out the spies? Yeah, 12 of them. So go in, suss out the land. Where are the strongholds? Where are the weak parts? What's it like? What's there? What's this land like? Go and have a look. So that's what happened all those years ago. And Caleb was one of those spies. And that's what he's referring to. That when he was 40, Moses, yes it says there, sent him out amongst the other 11. And that is in Numbers 13 and 14, if you want to see it. Read it in more depth. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I followed the Lord my God. I wholly followed the Lord my God. Missing out a very key word by mistake. I followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Beware the doubters. Beware the it can't be doneers. Those who poo poo faith. Those who say, yeah, I've heard that before. 
You have to learn to guard your heart when you're reaching to God in faith for something. It can be a very lonely path. You have to learn to bolster your faith and close your ears to negative talk. And that can mean to other believers. Whoa. What did Caleb do? I wholly follow the Lord my God. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Now, the definition of wholehearted, if you're not sure, is to do something with your whole heart. It's quite simple, but it's a revelation. Not partially. Not, well, we'll give it a go and see if God does something. No. We surrender to him and we say, have your way, Lord. We lean on you completely. Yeah. It's not being pulled in another direction at the same time. It's not having preferences to something else. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. That's what wholeheartedness is about. Not second or third or fourth, but first. It's being willing to put him first in everything. Now that's a challenge, and it's a challenge that we'll continue to work out in our lives. There will always be things that want to knock God off first place. But it's a blessed place to live, seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And actually, it's quite a thing to, to understand, well, what does it mean, Lord? Well, how do I live and put the kingdom first? But he will give us wisdom. He will give us understanding. It's not meant to be complicated. And it's a blessed place to be because what has God said? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Stuff. He'll give you stuff. Good stuff though. Not bad stuff. Now why am I saying this this morning? Okay? Because that is where God is calling us to be. We are to be a different people. People who do things differently. Not for the sake of it, but because we want to follow where he leads. Where he directs. Where he inspires. We are called to carry a different spirit. Now I don't mean not the Holy Spirit. A different spirit of no. What I mean is a different attitude, yeah. a different heart yeah. to what is out there in the world, is out there in general life. We're carrying a different spirit. It's an attitude that sets us apart. It's the heart that's willing to follow God wholeheartedly. And sad to say, there are people in the church, wider church I mean, who kind of, well, they walk with God loosely. It's a bit easy come, easy go. But God is after a people who will follow him with all their heart. Yes. Not to be lukewarm. God is after passion. Do you know what? It's not that God doesn't want the same blessings for those others. It's just that to obtain the blessings, you have to have a passion to sustain you in the journey. And that passion doesn't come from inside us. Well, it does and it doesn't. You can't work it up. Because you can't sustain it in the flesh. You just cannot. 
It has to be something heaven-sent. I just want to remind you, and you're going to get cross with me and irritated with me. Never. No, of course you won't. <laughs> just going to remind you of a few things. Um, remember the Lord spoke to us about wildfire through Sharon Stone and a brush fire. And this is, I'm just going to quote a few lines. The Spirit of God has been reminding this house that we are called to extremism. This house is not called just to do the things the way everybody else would do it. It won't work for you. It's not something God has put on the inside of you, and you're going to have to, again and again, remind each other that you're not going to do it the way other people are going to do it. This morning, I'm reminding you again and again, we ain't going to do it the way everybody else does it. We're not going to look out there and think, how do they do it? Oh, let's give that a go, what then? God wants to say, come to me. Seek me. I will give you the keys. Ben and Han. He's going to give you keys to know what to say to this young couple. How to connect with them. Even if it's like, I haven't even got anything to say. Well, maybe that's it. You just say it. Heard about it. If you. Whatever it is. And sometimes in that place of being, God, I ain't got anything to give. It's the very place he wants you to be. I can actually get in there now. (laughs) Let me do something. Just being there for people is actually very powerful. I'm just going to remind you of a few other things she said. I'm just going to quote the words. Uncontrollable. That's this house. Independent, but not out of authority. Having a higher calling. Family. Community. City. Tri-generational, grandparents, parents, children. Destructive. Destroying what needs to be over and done with, finished with. That's the previous day. Excited. Enthusiasm and eagerness. Violence. Push-throughness. Birthings. Difficult to extinguish. Come on. That's just a little reminder. But those things cannot be sustained by flesh and blood. That, that's pretty extreme living, isn't it? You know, you burn out trying to do that every day, all day, every day. This morning I'm just reminding us of the process God has called us to. Now it may cost, but the payback is worth it. And do you know what? I'm looking for people like that. Because I want to be sharpened. I want to be encouraged and spurred on. We have we have an eternal treasure to go after. It's not just a flash in the pan. We're here for the long haul. And we will be battered by the storms. But we will not be defeated. 
We have found eternal treasure. And we're not going to let it go. That's the exciting thing. Are you hungry for God? What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hungry for what God has for us? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Me too. Let's read on. Verse 9. We will get through it. So, the people of the heart sang. But Moses swore on that day, this is still Caleb speaking, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. This is what Moses said to Caleb in the day, way back then, when they'd gone to spy out the land. And he gave that promise then. And said, the land has been given to you because you followed God wholeheartedly. Excuse me one moment. Okay, so verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said. Everybody say, he said. As he said, these 45 years he's kept me alive. Ever since the Lord spoke this word. Everybody say, the Lord spoke this word. To Moses. While Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day. 85 years old. Think about that. That's some age. Some age to be ready to take it. I'm ready. I've been waiting. Thank you so much. He must be some guy. Do you know I've been studying this and thinking, wow, I thought I knew about Caleb. But I'm thinking, my word, this guy, this fella, I mean, we'll be done in a moment. Just an aside here now, before we get there. Do you know, 45 years, he endured the unbelief of his brothers. Oh, every time he saw them, what were his thoughts? If only you believed the Lord, we could have by all means taken the land. We'd be there now, with sons and daughters, living in the land and enjoying its fruit. If only we believed. Can you imagine? Oh, he had to deal with disappointment. He, here comes another moment, he had seen the land. More than that, he tasted of the fruit. If you remember the story of the spies, they had to carry the bunch of grapes on a pole. Can you imagine the size of those things? Phenomenal. But he tasted this place, this incredible place, God's land of blessing. He had experienced the promises of God, the promises that God had for all his people. And I don't know about you, I have tasted something. I'm sure we've all tasted something that is bigger and more than. And yet, we go back into our wildernesses, don't we? It's the wilderness, it's Monday morning. <laughs> or whatever it might be. <coughs> Do you know, it's all very well accepting our own failings in not believing God. 
and failing to step out. But what is it to miss out because of the unbelief of all the others? Oh! How painful! And yet Caleb stuck with it. He kept going through all those 40 plus years. Caleb had to wait till all the fighting men his age had died off. There goes another one. That's another one. Something soon. Come on. I wonder what he was thinking. Did he go into mourning? Was he secretly? Come on, come on. I don't know. I'm not sure. But he could have thought. And incidentally, if you're wondering what that was about, God pronounced a judgment on all those fighting men. He said none of them would go into the land. They would all fall in the wilderness. And then a new generation would go into the land because that generation was tainted with unbelief. And a new generation had to go in to take that land. If you like, it's also a symbol of old man. The old man can't go into the land. It's the new regenerate man, the born again person that can step in. And if you're not born again, you need to ask Jesus into your life and then come into all the promises. But maybe, and I think he did, Caleb went through the dark night of the soul. Did I get it wrong? Will I die too? He heard the judgment. Perhaps he thought, oh man, that includes me. Will I really get to the promised land? He might have been tormented by fear and heartache. I saw the land, it was so beautiful, so wonderful, but we missed it. We lost our opportunity. We didn't believe God. We could have done it. Am I ever going to see the land? And bear in mind, he'd already witnessed the fact that Moses had been, Moses had been disallowed from entering the land. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he was thinking, it's going to be the same for me. But, but God... He could have become bitter and twisted. He could have reached the point of saying, sack it. What's the point? Let me just live a humdrum life where I have little expectation of good. At least then I won't be disappointed. Have you ever been there? Yeah. You reach those points and you just say, oh, sack it. Yeah. Yeah. But something else comes back at us, doesn't it? That's true. Yeah. He didn't do it. He may have had to reckon with all those thoughts, but he dealt with every one, taking them captive. He surrendered himself to the will of the Lord and he settled it in his heart. Whatever you desire, Lord, I'm surrendering to your will and plan. I believe you to be a good God and a great God, and you're able to do immeasurably more than all I ask or think or imagine. He might not have gone on and said that bit because he didn't have New Testament revelation. But we can, and I think we need to take our hats off to him even more so because he didn't have the revelation that we had. But this is why he's so delighted to be alive today, we're reading in the passage. The Lord had indeed kept him. He hadn't fallen with the others in the wilderness. When he began to read, the pen starts dropping, I'm still alive, I'm still alive, and here's that man that's going in. Glory, what joy filled his heart, I'm sure. I believe he reached the point where he said, how can I not believe God? I have to believe there's an inheritance for me because God said. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's like the disciples. 
when Jesus challenged them, he said, well, guys, do you want to leave me as well? And he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And they said, well, where else can we go? <laughs> there is nowhere else. And that's what it's like. You know, you might be fed up with the, your, your lot and just think, I wish there was more. But actually, the grass ain't greener anywhere else. <laughs> I'm going to have to live on my patch. But God has promised good things. Do you know what? I believe Caleb moved into that land long before he got there. Right. Yeah. The land was living on the inside of him long before he was living inside the land. Yeah. It became so big on the inside of him, he was ready to burst. Thank you. I was going to say you're allowed to call out, shout out, and by the way... Uh, I was going to say, I was going to be the most blessed person here today because I'm speaking the word. But you can join with me in that because if you aim and say, yes, I agree, you get the blessing too. Okay, so there is an encouragement. Keep on saying the yes and the amen. Thanks, Riz. Okay. Or tweeting it. Or tweeting it. So, it became so big on the inside of inside of him. That land is ours. It's been promised to us by a higher authority than anyone living in the land. I can't deny what the living God has said, no matter what I'm experiencing. I'm taking this with both hands and I'm not letting go. Come on. Verse 11. As yet, listen to this, this 85 year old. As yet I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war at 85, both for going out and for coming in. That's what I call a warrior. Come on, bring it on. This is phenomenal. The biblical 85 is the new 20 year old. Is that it? Okay. So, yes, verse 11, we were there. So now is my strength, both of all the war and coming out right. Verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke. Everybody say, the Lord spoke. In that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be, listen to this. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said, everybody say, the Lord said. He hasn't actually got the land. There's still enemies there. He's still got to go in and boot them out. And yet it's his. He's talking, it's his, isn't it? It's mine. I got it. It's a done deal. That's phenomenal. Okay. How long have you been journeying with God? How long have you been believing but not yet seeing? City Church leads and Freedom Church on the road 35 years. I don't think we've seen the fullness yet. We've had words over us. The Lord spoke words over us. It occurs five times in this passage. Five is the number of grace. It's not going to be by our own effort. It's going to be by His grace that we achieve this stuff. We can indeed take the land He has promised to us, whatever the shape and form it is in this area and in our own lives. 
But it will be by his grace, not by self-effort. It is as we surrender to him and let him work things in and through us. Now, I just want to read this from um, a book by Chris Bolton, who's from the Reading people, Bethel. just want to read um, what he says regarding his observations of Bill Johnson. But what was even more evident in Bill's life was his deep love for the prophets and for the gift of prophecy. Bill literally transcribed every prophetic word he'd ever received and took them with him wherever he went. He frequently, he frequently poured over them. And although there were many prophecies spoken over him and our flock, he knew a lot of them by heart. He rarely made an important decision in his personal life without some sort of prophetic direction. Consequently, one of the core foundational principles of the way we lead our church and our movement to this day, oh, that is consequently one of the principles they apply. Just take that for a moment and think about the prophetic words we've received and you've received as individuals. Where are they now? Ooh, I'm going to go look for them, blow the dust off. We need to be taking hold of them. It's not a formula, but it's a principle that we need to review and pray. We need the word to live in us. A word is redundant unless it begins to live on the inside of you. And you begin to give it space to live and grow by spending time devoting yourself to it and prayerfully meditating over it. Dreaming it into existence by praying it back to the Father. And a lot of this is about the oh God and the longing and to say, Father, you said this, but I'm still not seeing it. Father, you said this, but where is it? The danger is that we just think, it's too much. It's too big. I can't do it. All God wants us to do is to take one more step and say, but God, you spoke. That's all he wants us to do. Because that releases something. His word is released back upwards. You spoke, Lord. He said, yes, I did. My living, enduring word does not return to me empty. But it achieves what I send it out to do. You and I are the ones in the middle of the chain. And the process is that we have to live it in here and release it out of our mouths. And say, you said God. You said it. We know he knows he knows he said it. But he wants us to know that he knows that we know that he knows. <laughs> so that when it happens, we know that it was him that did it. He knows. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I couldn't if I tried. Yeah, this is one thing. I don't know whether it was grammatically correct or not. Do you know what? We're not twisting God's arm. We are giving expression to his desire and his will on earth. We are giving voice to heaven's plan and we are placing it in our view to influence our compass and direction of travel so that we can seek first his kingdom, so that all those other things that come our way don't occlude what we're seeing from heaven. We begin to say, wait a minute, no, no, that, that doesn't fit with the plan, like Bill would do. 
That doesn't fit with what God's been speaking to us. This um, distraction comes here or distraction comes there. Having said that, sometimes distractions are the Holy Spirit, actually. He's trying to get your attention over and over. Anyway. So, finally, verse 13 and 14, and Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kesanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel without bearing an Attitude of heart. I'm going to say, God, okay. Do you know what? You don't have to have a lot of energy to be wholehearted. In fact, you don't have to have any energy to be wholehearted. What God is looking for is just that, Lord, I have given you everything. I have anything else to give. And I'm up for it, God. Whichever way you lead, I'll endeavour to follow. And sometimes you have to be at that point of, I've got no more energy. I've got no more oomph. Because you know then it's not you and you're not leaning on you. God's saying, yeah, that's fine. We'll do it together. We can do it. Trust me and I'll lead you forward. And you know what? This Just a little nugget here. Um, Caleb was given Hebron. Hebron is a beautiful picture. Um, you may know. This is where he went in originally to spy out, because he saw that and he thought, I'm having that, I want that, I've seen it and I want it. It's where Abraham lived. Good place to be. And this is shortly after God had appeared to him and told him, I'm giving you the land, as far as your eyes can see. So just after the promise God given Abraham, he moved into an area and dwelt. So that was Hebron, close to the oak trees of Mamre, or Mamre. It's also later on where David lived and where sons were born to David. Hebron means seat of association, the place of intimacy, relationship and communion. It's the highest town in Israel. Come on. It speaks of a place of fellowship with heaven to me. So what is our Hebron? What has God promised us? And what has God promised you? But has your Hebron become hidden by other stuff? Has Jesus been squeezed to the side? Is it time to realign and to find what he wants again? Is it time to blow the dust off the higher things that God has said to you and to us? To say again, we're taking this land. We are taking this land. Yeah, you can say it if you like. I'm just repeating myself. So, that's all I'm going to say today. Bless you guys. But, as we just go from here, I do believe it wasn't just an appendage to what happened all before and all that God was doing in the Holy Spirit amongst us. Um, you might want to stand, you might want to sit, that's actually fine. I just, in going from this place, just before we go, I wanted us to ask God, what one thing can I do to put these things first place? To just say, okay, God, what is seeking first the kingdom for me this week? 
what is that one thing? Maybe God's already showing you what you need to do. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.